Thank you for joining me. I'm Stan Harstein, your narrator. I appreciate your willingness to invest in yourself for 10 minutes. As you listen, I will ask you to find comparisons, not differences, to see similarities rather than limit your view. If you have a comment, please use the email link at the bottom of the 10 Minutes with the Gospel of John website to contact me. Let's begin. Welcome to episode 23, The Son of Man. The most common phrase used throughout the gospel accounts to identify Jesus is the title, Son of Man. Indeed, the phrase Son of Man is the dominant expression Jesus uses to describe himself. While the phrase appears more frequently in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is common in the Gospel of John throughout the first 13 chapters, appearing most frequently when Jesus is in the region of Judea. The phrase itself reflects a tradition found in the prophetic book of Ezekiel and other later Jewish writings, which carries over into the New Testament. Each gospel writer reinterprets these traditions in portraying Jesus as the Son of Man. In the Old Testament Over 90 times in the book of Ezekiel, God addresses the prophet using the term Son of Man. This phrase, and especially the significance of it, finds many diverse explanations. In Psalm 8, the psalmist writes, Who is man that you should take notice of him? Or even the son of man that you should care for him? Psalm 8, 4. From these two writings, it would seem that the term might simply identify an individual set apart by God. Other Jewish writings place this phrase within a setting in the future, where the Son of Man works on behalf of God's heavenly forces to bring about order according to God's rule. This figure is noted for bringing deliverance to the afflicted among God's people. Elsewhere in John Within the accounts found in John 1, verses 19-49, through 49, Jesus is assigned several titles by those around him. John the Baptist describes him as the Lamb of God, episode 18, and Son of God. John's two disciples address Jesus as Rabbi, episode 21. Andrew tells Simon that Jesus is the Messiah, episode 16. Philip tells Nathaniel that Jesus is the one about whom Moses wrote, episode 17. And Nathaniel addresses Jesus as Rabbi, Son of God, and King of Israel. Jesus responds to Nathaniel and perhaps the other disciples' ideas about him as well, by describing a sense of revelation with God's angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus describes himself as the means by which God's heavenly messengers are able to minister to those on earth. This phrase appears later in the context of John 3.16, preparing the background for understanding this popular verse more fully. No one ever ascended into heaven except for the one who likewise descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the image of a snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up in the same fashion, in order that every person who believes in him may possess the life of the ages. God loved his own in this fashion. He sent his unique Son with the intent that everyone who is trusting him should not perish, but have the life of the ages. 
For God did not send his Son to his own to judge them, but so that his own might be delivered through the Son. John 3, verses 14 through 17. The primary insight with regard to the Son of Man is the idea that he must be lifted up before others might have this life of the ages, or as the phrase is more often described, eternal life. Two other clues for his identification are given in this passage as well. The Son of Man is also the Son of God, and the Son of Man delivers those who trust him. The idea that the Son of Man provides life of the ages recurs later in chapter 6, a passage central for understanding the Gospel of John. Speaking with those who have followed him across the Sea of Tiberias because he fed them in the wilderness on the previous day, Jesus emphasizes the difference between what they are seeking and what he provides. Do not work for bread that molds and crumbles. Rather, work for the bread which remains throughout the life of the ages, bread that the Son of Man provides you. For Father God has placed his seal on this one. John 6, 27. The tension in the discussion escalates as many of those listening move further and further away from any association of Jesus with Moses or with God, while Jesus continues to clarify his initially spiritualized statement by using more physically descriptive language. Then Jesus spoke to them, I speak truthfully to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in yourself. John 6, 53. The prior response by those listening leaves no confusion concerning who they think this Son of Man is. How can this one give us his flesh to eat? John 6, 52. The only item still in question is their willingness to understand and act upon the reality of Jesus' spiritual language. Two events reported in John 12 prove crucial for the timing of the lifting up, that is to say the glorification of, the Son of Man introduced in John 3. First, some Greeks, often identified as Gentile God-fearers, are in Jerusalem for the Passover and want to see Jesus. When Jesus hears of their interest through Andrew and Philip, he indicates that the time has come for his glorification. John 12, 20-23 This leads directly to Jesus' cry for God to glorify God's name, after which a voice replies from heaven, sounding like thunder to part of the crowd, although some thought it might be an angel speaking. The crowd then questions Jesus' insistence that he himself be lifted up. Such is not part of their understanding of either the Messiah or the Son of Man. The crowd responded to Jesus, We have heard from the law that the Messiah remains into the ages. So how can you say that it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up. Who exactly is this one known as the Son of Man? John twelve thirty four. As frequently occurs in this gospel, Jesus' response does not answer their stated concern. Rather, he focuses on the importance of living in the light, while light is present so that darkness will not put out their light. 
See Episode 3 for the importance of light. Concluding Thought Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man, yet the Gospel of John reformulates many commonly held expectations concerning who this Son of Man is and what he will do. Most importantly, the Son of Man must be lifted up as the serpent in the wilderness was during the time of Moses. This is the only way that the promised deliverance by and from God can take place. This Son of Man does not lead an army in violence against others, but suffers violence by others at the hand of soldiers. The deliverance by God continues to appear in the same manner as always, by trusting that what God's Word at the beginning identifies as truth actually is truth itself. Through Jesus, God continues to ignore the expectations of the world while continuing to act according to his own plan, purpose, and desire. In this way, God's name is glorified. I do hope you will invest additional time to write down any insights or questions that came to you during this 10-minute audio journey together. After all, a short pencil is better than a long memory. This DevoCast is composed and narrated by Stan Harstein. All rights reserved.